Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin Athletics. Flying solo for the uh, intro portion of the show. Go through our usual game preview. We'll get into our offensive game plan that we expect for Saturday. Defensive game plan, other keys to watch, score predictions, and then we'll do. I'll do a quick rundown of the other games in the Big Ten slate. Kind of a light slate for the conference overall, but should still be a fun one to pay attention to. That'll be the front half, just me. And then in the back half, we have our regular interview with Michael Preston of the Coog Center, uh, Washington State's SB Nation community. Really fun interview with him, just kind of getting an idea of Washington State, where they're at as a program, where they're at under new head coach Jake Dickert, what to expect for the offense and defense and so forth. Really insightful interview from him into what's going on with a somewhat unusual opponent. You know, These two teams have met twice before. But this isn't your Big Ten conference opponents where you kind of pay closer attention to them. And Washington State got out there in their own in the you know northwest corner of the country. That's uh, really you know something different than what we're used to seeing. So really nice to get some good insight on what the Cougars are doing thus far. Going ahead and getting into this contest now. As I said, the Badgers take on Washington State for their Week Two game. Uh, just to give a recap on last week, of course, Wisconsin, as you all know, rolled pretty easily. Some things that were great, some things that were not so great that we talked about in the last episode. So if you're still looking for a recap, make sure to go over and check that out. Turning the page to Washington State now, they open the season 1-0 against the Idaho Vandals. A little bit closer of a game than what many would have wanted to see, I'm sure, from the Washington State perspective. Uh, 24-17 victory, fell behind 10-0 in that game. But as Michael will allude to in our interview, 
seems like the other sideline might have been very highly motivated as this is a very historic rival between Idaho State, excuse me, Idaho um, and Washington State. So that could have been a portion of it, but you still want to see the you know, teams take care of business at the FCS level. But regardless, both teams came away with a victory in week one and now turned the page to an interesting matchup in week two. As I mentioned, these two teams have played twice before. I believe 1976 was the first time, and then the second time was back in 2007, uh, where Wisconsin won at Camp Randall 42-21 to with the huge game by uh, wide receiver Luke Swan. Shout out to Luke and the community of Fenimore, greatest town in the southwest Wisconsin area. I may be biased as an alum, but regardless... 2-0 in the in the series against Washington State, and we'll see if they can make that 3-0 on Saturday. Getting into the game plan itself, I think this is a really interesting matchup from a few different perspectives. And offensively, I'm really interested to see what Wisconsin will do in this contest. When you look at Washington State on the defensive side, and you really only have a little bit to go off of based on last year. Jake Dicker take, took over. He's a defensive-minded coach. He was the former defensive coordinator for Washington State under Nick Rolovich before that whole saga happened. Eventually, Rolovich fired, resigned. I can't remember which it was. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty. Jake Tigger took over as the head coach, as the interim head coach. Then this offseason, rather than go out and find someone else, Washington State decided that that 3-3 record that they finished with, a bowl win, was enough to bring Jake Dickert on as the full-time head coach. So it's nice to see those stories work out. Jake Dickert, formerly of Wisconsin, born and raised in Wisconsin, born and raised a Badger fan, played his football um, in college at UW-Stevens Point. So very familiar with everything around Madison that way, which is a cool story in itself. But a very defensive-minded coach that last year when he took over, and, and even as the defensive coordinator, it seemed like this defense, while it's not the most athletic compared to other teams in the country. It's not an SEC defense. It's not, you know, your four or five star kids. It's similar to Wisconsin where it has, you know, lower rated uh, recruits that they bring in, develop, and and try to focus in on some key areas. A little bit smaller of a defense, um, especially in the front seven. That is their strength. But in terms of the size, it's, it's a little bit smaller than some of your other defensive lines. But what they really try to do is forced turnovers. And last year worked really well for them. Uh, The Washington State Cougars were seventh in the nation, led the Pac-12 in turnover margin um, at plus 11. So this is a team that really likes to make you into, force you into mistakes. And and then uh, on the the defensive front side, try to get after you um, with the defensive line, the linebackers and force pressure, create those hostile situations where you have to move quicker where you, if you don't pick up a blitz, all of a sudden you're pressured into something and you make a mistake or force a fumble. So that is going to be really something to watch for with the way this Washington State defense tries to attack this Wisconsin offense. One way to combat turnovers and a, a pass rush that last week, I know it's an Idaho front seven, or excuse me, an offensive line um, going against Washington State, but they did have seven sacks in that game uh, from seven different players, which really is kind of, Tells you they play very team defense focused, focused on the game plan, and, and that's how they look to attack. And I think Wisconsin will certainly will be better in pass protection. One way to combat pass protection um, and, and combat turnovers is to simply run the football. And Wisconsin is certainly going to do that with Braylon Allen. And I think to kind of neutralize that pass rush, if you're running it and being physical on the offensive front and running it consistently and picking up four or five yards a game and, and wearing this defense down, or excuse me, four or five yards of carry and wearing this defense down, 
I think that's a recipe that works really well for the offense to combat what Washington State's going to try and do and also keep Washington State's offense off the field, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. A What they expect to be a prolific quarterback for Washington State in the near future didn't look great in his opener, per se, um, but the guy that looks very talented at that quarterback spot, to keep him off the field a little bit, having these long, sustained, tempo-controlled drives where you really wear down the Washington State defense should allow you to have success in this contest. So I expect Wisconsin, and this isn't a bold take by any means, but I do expect the Badgers to consistently run the football, try to control the clock, and really wear down this front seven, make them stay honest in terms of their pass rush and, and make them kind of unsure of the direction that they want to go or they have to sit back or move forward um, in terms of their pressure. So I think that's going to be a huge thing to look for offensively for the Badgers is keeping the ball on the ground, keeping it with Braylon Allen, and also just controlling the tempo, which is right up what Wisconsin wants to do in their game plan. And, and that's not to say that they're going to run it first, second, third down every single time. It's just that they're going to want to have a situation where they keep that Washington State defense on the field for long periods of time, going up against Wisconsin's physical front to really wear them down. And then I think eventually there will be times where Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi and Isaac Rendo, with that defense worn down, will be able to bust some long runs for scores and, and big pickups. But I think if they can come out and, and really dominate and, and enforce the physicality in this game, I think that plays well into Wisconsin's hands of what you want to see from this contest on the offensive side of the ball. So I expect a heavy dose of the run game. Play action will certainly be there. And, and Graham Mertz looked great last week. This isn't a situation where I think they're going to shy away from throwing the football because Graham Mertz, um, you know, he, he did look good and you want to give him opportunities. But I think matchup, when you're looking at the matchup, how to neutralize what this defense does well and how to go right at this defense and exploit them is to keep the ball on the ground and use that physicality. Last week, Idaho was on the field offensively a lot. You could see the Washington State defense, if you watch their game back, did look very worn down towards the end. They were on the field a long time. That's going to happen with pass-happy offenses. If you have three and outs and inconsistencies, you're going to be on the field for a long time. And if Wisconsin can force that and then put the pressure on offensively with long sustained drives, I think this is a way that can really work well for Wisconsin off on the offensive side of the football. So I expect a physical attack, run game, just grind this defense down because it's unlike anything they'll see in the Pac-12 or anything that they have seen in years past. And you look at the Pac-12, a lot more spread attacks. You maybe have a couple you know, full physical fronts under center. Oregon under Mario Cristobal kind of got into some of those sets. Stanford is your your power-heavy team. Washington at times, maybe Oregon State at times with their heavy run attack last season. But overall, for the most part, you're not seeing any sort of physicality. Um, this defense hasn't seen that sort of physicality from an offensive line from a run, to, run attack likely um, in, in many seasons as you talk about some of those programs in the Pac-12 that are somewhat down and not up to the snuff of Wisconsin. So I expect that to be the game plan offensively. Now we'll go ahead and kind of switch gears because I think defensively, when you look at it, it kind of works cohesively with the way the offense looks to attack. On the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be going up against a pass-first offense, moving away from the run and shoot that Nick Rolovich ran to more of a spread air raid attack. In that week opener, in that week one opener, Washington State did throw the ball 40 times in that contest, multiple different receivers. So it's an air raid look. 
with some runs mixed in as well. Nakia Watson, former Wisconsin running back, is the starting running back over there at Washington State now. Had over 100 yards on the ground in an offense that is very much pass first is interesting to see. So they will run the football. It's not a pure air raid where they're going to throw it you know, every single time, but they are kind of moving back towards that Mike Leach air raid offense a little bit where they you know, do throw it consistently. So when you look at Wisconsin last week, cornerbacks looked a little bit out of position, out of sync. So that's going to be certainly something to watch for. But I do believe that Wisconsin in turn to try and keep the quarterback off the field will keep those long drives going um, offensively. So to get into kind of who Washington State kind of features in their offense, the the main portion of their offense likely is being put on the shoulders of Cam Ward. Um, Former FCS Incarnate Ward quarterback threw for nearly 4,000 yards last season, was a Walter Payton finalist. For those of you that don't know, that's essentially kind of the Heisman Trophy of the SCFs level um, as as a freshman. So very young, talented kid, hit the portal, went to Washington State, got some NIL deals, and is supposed to be the feature of this new Washington State attack. Jumping from the FCS to the FBS um, was his offensive coordinator as well. So it's kind of the, when you look at last year, Western Kentucky taking Bailey Zappi and the former Houston Baptist offensive coordinator and plugging it into Western Kentucky. That's kind of the model that Washington State's adopting here with their OC and quarterback. To familiarity, plug it into a new program and see what see what works. Last week, I think Washington State fans probably wanted to see a little bit more from Cam Ward in their opener, 25 for 40, 200 yards and a couple scores. So did turn it on later in the game. But when you see, when you watch some Cam Ward FCS highlights, he's a very dynamic player, very, very much mobile, which will likely give Wisconsin some fits. But I don't think he's necessarily a run first player. Uh, I do think he prefers to pass the football and not necessarily stay in the pocket. He'll use his feet to make throws, but can look to, he looks to pass more so first than he looks to run, at least in his time at Carnot Ward. I think last week there were times where you look at that game tape against uh, Idaho and Washington State. Uh, he sometimes tucked and run when he had open players down the field. And I think that likely is because the offensive line for Washington State breaking in some new faces was kind of a weak point for them last season and so far didn't look great in that opener, which when you look at Wisconsin, that should be really interesting to watch going up against a very experienced defensive front. That offensive line for Washington State is going to have to account for not only you know Keanu Benton, who will like likely make things miserable early on, but also Nick Herbig and players coming off the edge. Nick Herbig looked incredible last week. And if he can go up against a weak offensive line like Washington State kind of looks to have, I think Nick Herbig could be in for a big game as well. So in terms of the defensive game plan, you're going to see a lot of passes coming at you. It's going to be a game that is they're going to throw the ball around. I do think they will hit some plays. I do think they'll move the ball a little bit just because Wisconsin's secondary was a little bit not up to snuff with where you want to see them last week. So I think unless that got majorly cleaned up over the course of this week and knowing Jim Leonard it very well could but I think when you think back to wash or excuse me Wisconsin going up against opposing offenses the ones that give you trouble are the ones that do throw it consistently it's hard to run on Wisconsin when teams are stubborn and try to do so it usually doesn't work and also offenses that have a quarterback that is mobile so you think back to who has Wisconsin faced in the last few years 
my mind immediately jumped to Adrian Martinez, who's now at Kansas State, but they threw the ball a lot with him. They did run some option stuff, which is something that Washington State has kind of implemented. And they did kind of use the feet of him to make plays in the passing attack. So that's kind of, that's not, I'm not going to say that Cam Ward is Adrian Martinez. I'm not going to say Adrian Martinez is Cam Ward. They are different players. But you think of what offenses have given Wisconsin trouble, it has been those pass-happy attacks with a quarterback that can make plays with his feet. So making sure to keep him as a passer is probably the way to go. But the secondary has to be cleaned up a little bit. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch is how Wisconsin's defense looks to scheme to put themselves in the best position to win this football game. Because if you consistently bring pressure, risk of Cam Ward getting out in space and, and making some plays with his feet. So that's really going to be an area to watch is can Jim Leonard and the defense sit back into that pass coverage and try to bring pressure with the guys that they have and not bring any extra players. So that's going to be a fun matchup, an interesting matchup, and I think a good test for Wisconsin early. And then you kind of you kind of have Wisconsin's schedule. I think sets up really nicely where you have the opener, get your feet under you. Now you get a good test in Washington State. Next week you'll be able to clean some things up against New Mexico State. But what Washington State is going to try and do with their pass-happy attack is going to look somewhat similar to what Ohio State will do in the passing game. It's a very different offense than what the Buckeyes will run in Week 4. But it is, you know, you're going to see more passing. You're going to see mobility with the quarterback position. So I think this will be a good kind of picture of what Wisconsin will need to get ready for. And hopefully this is something that will make this defense kind of focus on what they didn't do well in week one because that pass defense, well, they, yes, it, it does sound nitpicky. They pitched a shutout, but there were big plays that were somewhat concerning in that secondary. And now they're going to be going up against a team that likes to throw the football. So having that cleaned up, seeing how the defense kind of tr- plays that chess game of bringing pressure and sitting back is going to be fun to watch. But Jim Leonard will likely have it figured out. I don't ever doubt this defense, but I do think well, it will be a good test and fun to see what they'll do. Uh, I do think Cam Warden and this offense will hit some plays, but overall I do think Wisconsin will coax them into mistakes and, and possibly um, put the ball, um, make them put the ball in harm's way with the turnover side as well. And that kind of takes us over to the key of this game. And the other thing I'll be kind of watching for takes care of the football and makes the least amount of mistakes in the turnover department. So we already talked about it a little bit. Washington State last year, very good at forcing turnovers on the top teams in the country. And that's kind of something that Jake Dickert has emphasized with his defense. So there's no doubt that they are going to try and force turnovers, force Graham Mertz into throwing some interceptions, try and baiting him into some throws that maybe he shouldn't make. And that will be a nice test of Mertz, who looked a lot better and more efficient and clean last week. Can he do that for a week, two in a, against a defense that is trying to pounce on turnovers? So that's going to be really another interesting test to watch. But on the other side of the football, last week, Washington State, three fumbles, all three of them lost, and one you know, scoop and score uh, for the Idaho Vandals in that contest, which made it a little bit tighter. So when you're looking at turnovers, Wisconsin last year, was not great in that department. Washington State was great in that defensive side. Washington State on the flip side, offensively on the first week, not very good. Wisconsin forced a couple turnovers in that game in the opener, and last year forced plenty themselves. So I think that's going to be another key to this game for both teams. When you look at it, 
if Wisconsin is turning the ball over deep in their own territory and giving Washington State a short field to work with, that could create problems for this team. On the flip side, if Washington State is driving, driving, and all of a sudden they are hit for a pick or you know the ball's knocked loose on, on the pass rush, that all of a sudden creates problems for the Cougars and Wisconsin if they can limit some of these drives, force some turnovers, and put that defense back on the field where you can now kind of go at them with, with that run game, that should make uh, all the difference in the world. You want to limit this offense possessions, and if you can kind of put that defense back on the field in in short spurts where all of a sudden a turnover is forced and the defense got to go back out there and then Wisconsin can work that clock, I think that makes it all the more advantageous for Wisconsin. So in terms of a main key thing to watch for that could flip this game for both sides. I think the turnover department is really something to keep an eye on. That transitions really well into the players that we'll be talking about on Sunday. And I think the player we'll be talking about on Sunday on the offensive side of the football, while Braylon Allen, I do expect to have a big game. I think for better or worse, you're going to be talking about Graham Mertz because if he has another efficient game where he takes care of the football and hat, you know, completes 65% of his passes and is efficient in the passing game when it's called upon, runs the offense well, and plays a clean game, we'll be talking about him in a very positive light. On the flip side, if this, if Graham Mertz is baited into turnovers, makes some bad plays, and puts this game kind of in harm's way, I think we'll be talking about you know him as a negative. So I think either way, quarterback position kind of thankless. You're going to likely be talked about in, in either regard depending on how you play. So I think that will be the player that we'll be talking about. But I do expect it to be, hopefully, um, on the better aspect of things where he plays a good game, another clean game, and really keeps that momentum building as he works into week three. On the defensive side of the ball, I think what we'll be talking about, hopefully, is one of the cornerbacks. Which one it will be, I don't know. But all that entire group is going to have to step up in this contest and play better than what they did in week one. And if they do that... I do think the Badgers are going to be set for a, a really good spot. So I'll I'll say the defense in terms of the cornerback room. Alexander Smith, if he's good to go. Cedric Dort needs to play better. Ricardo Hallman. I think all of those guys will step up to this challenge. I think it will be an emphasis that Jim Leonard and the defense put on over the course of this week, and they'll look a lot better. And they'll have to be better when you talk about Hunter Wohler out in this game. So you're going to have other new faces in the secondary trying to break them in and Kamoyla too. Um, and Preston Zachman at that safety position. So the secondary are going to be the players that I think we'll be talking about, and hopefully that's in a positive light, kind of similar to the Graham Mertz conversation. If they don't play better and they're getting picked apart in this air raid offense for Washington State, we could be talking about them in a negative light. But I do think it'll be a positive for both sides, and we'll be talking about Mertz in that cornerback room, kind of a cop-out answer, but who it's going to be in that, in that cornerback room remains to be seen. But I think overall, collectively, they all know they have to play a little bit better. Rounding my portion of the podcast out, we'll go ahead now and get into the score prediction. As I mentioned, I do think Wisconsin um, will be able to take control of this game with running the football. I think they'll be able to bust some runs. I think they might force some turnovers here as well. I think this game, when you look at the spread, is at 17.5. That number is spot on for me in my betting uh, numbers that I do up each week. I have it right around 18. So, it's bounced around. I had it at 16. I adjusted some things, so it was at 18. So 17 and a half, I think, is dead on. I personally think Washington could say could keep it in within that number. 34 or 17 is kind of where I project it. Um, I do think that there's going to be some points scored. This cornerback room, while I do think they can be better, 
I also believe that they could still be meshing and, and Washington tonight may be able to get some points on the board. So I think Wisconsin wins. I think the physicality will up front will be too much for them. And I think the Badgers come away with a victory 34-17 in this contest. Getting into the rest of the Big Ten now, kind of a light slate for the conference overall. Um, some big games in week one means likely some lighter games in week two. We'll start with 11 a.m., a decent game there for Duke and Northwestern, both teams 1-0. I do expect the Wildcats to pick up a victory. I was impressed with what I saw from them in Ireland. They looked a lot better than what they did last year, and I do not really expect much from this Duke team, so I'll say the Wildcats win there. Would not touch the spread at 10, laying 10 points with the Wildcats is not something uh, that I need to do with my money. Moving on down the line, Ohio-Penn State. I don't expect much out of the Ohio Bobcats this year. Penn State looked really good in their opener. A little dicey on the defensive side, but I think they'll be able to be better there. And offensively, Sean Clifford was battling through that game, but still played pretty well. He's really kind of turned a corner in his. I expect him to play well and Penn State to win that game rather handily. 25 and a half as the spread. That does look like something I'd consider laying um, with the Indian Lions. Up next, Ohio State, Arkansas State. This is going to be a bloodbath. Last week, Ohio State's offense did not look what they wanted to look. 44.5-point favorites. I would be surprised if they don't cover that. This Arkansas State team is so bad. I think they're one of the worst teams in the country. They did pick up a victory in Week 1. But Ohio State, having to prove their offense is better than what it looked a week ago, I expect the Buckeyes to come out and absolutely roll in that contest. Minnesota, Western Illinois, Gophers should win that one but don't look past that game too much western illinois is not a good fcs program but minnesota always seems to have shaky contests with some teams that are inferior to them a la bowling green a, a week ago and wouldn't it be hilarious if the gophers fell in that one moving on down the line now maryland traveling to charlotte i think that game should likely be a maryland blowout charlotte has not looked good um, in their opener, opening two weeks, two losses, and, and one to William & Mary, which is not pretty. So I expect the Terps to roll in that contest. Virginia, Illinois at 3 o'clock on ESPNU. I would lean uh, Virginia at this point in time. I think that passing attack has looked okay in their opener. I do think while Virginia did lost a lot of players, Illinois did not look great last week. I don't know what to expect from them because I did expect them to be better. But so far, it just hasn't really been all that pretty for the fighting Illini. I have to see them turn a corner before I dive into that um, too much deeper. Up next, some FCS programs or uh, MAC programs. Michigan State should roll over Akron. Don't expect that to be a game. Purdue should roll over Indiana State. Don't expect that. Rutgers should uh, roll over Wagner at the FCS level. Michigan should roll over Hawaii, another team that I think is one of the worst teams in the country in Hawaii. 51.5-point favorites for the Wolverines. Uh, brutal. Indiana should take care of business against Idaho. And then Nebraska should take care of business against Georgia Southern, who's kind of going through some transitions with their new head coach and Clay Helton. Really the best game of the weekend outside of Wisconsin's is uh, Iowa State and Iowa meeting in the Cyhawk Trophy game. I don't know what to make of it. I know what this game will likely be, and it'll be disgusting because that Iowa you know, offense is disgusting. It's repulsive, and it should be you know it should make Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz um, land them in jail for the way that they call that offense and how ugly it is. They'll probably win that game ten to seven, three and a half point spread over under forty. That's way too many points for this contest. 
I hope Iowa State wins it. They haven't won it in years, uh, but I do think the Hawkeyes will find some disgusting way to win this football game because they're a disgusting, repulsive football team, and they should be banished from um, all of college football. Anyway, that is all that I have in this portion of the show. Before we get out of here, though, I've got to talk to you guys about homefieldapparel.com. Make sure you go and check out Home Field Apparel. They've got some new collections. They're dropping some uh, national championship shirts from their respective programs. A lot of fun to see the collections that they're rolling out. They've got some other new schools in the works. They've also dabbled into some NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. So plenty to look for over at homefieldapparel.com. Make sure to go over and check them out. Plenty of Wisconsin gear on their site as well if you're looking for something to get you set for football season at Camp Randall. Maybe a little behind the eight ball with week two and week three coming up here fast, but as the crisp gets into air, you'll want a comfy, cozy uh, new Badger sweatshirt or a new Badger crew neck. They've got plenty over there at Home Field Apparel. All right, that's all for my portion. We'll go ahead and get into our interview now with Michael Preston of Coog Center. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by Michael Preston of Coog Center, SB Nation's Washington State community. Be sure to go over and check them out over there. They've got plenty of insight on this week's game. If you're looking for kind of the opponent, uh, outsider's perspective, and then looking into what this game might look like, uh, not as uh, biased and homer take as we have over here at Bucky's Fifth Quarter from time to time. But, Michael, thanks for joining us, first of all. We really appreciate it. I, I, I'm really looking forward to this game and, and this series. We talked about it when we were doing your show, you know, a home and home here, which is really interesting. And uh, with us, with, with the Big Ten kind of poaching off some Pac-12 teams, it's interesting mm-hmm. to, to see these two matching up before, uh, before we get the people from L.A. joining the Big Ten. Yeah, you you go you guys go ahead and enjoy them because uh, <laughs> I I will tell you that uh, the first response I got from a lot of us you know you see a lot of SC fans say like oh well you know the Pac-12 never did anything to support us for the last five or six years and I was kind of like did I tell you to keep Clay Helton for way too long like well, I don't I don't understand how this is my fault you know like yeah what did I do like what did yeah. little old me was what did UW do what did Oregon do that made you guys stink like I don't but anyway I mean that's um. Yeah, I, I I don't think anybody really saw like, you know, I, I think we all knew SC was probably wanting bigger and better things, but certainly the Big Ten was a surprise. I mean, actually, UCLA uh, was kind of surprising because, you know, the schools out here, you know, you would you would think, you know, how the athletic departments function. But Stanford is just this weird like they they don't care about, you know, comp- they they care about conference affiliation and being out west and they care about like sailing like I'm like that's a varsity <laughs> sport at Stanford. So. Uh, yeah, it was certainly shocking. I guess not surprising when you thought about it a little bit more. But um, yeah, you guys, you guys get better recruiting in LA now, so at least you got that. You guys yeah. definitely got that going for you. And I'm sure <laughs> SC wasn't happy to lose it. But yeah, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go in a couple of years. It'll be interesting for sure. Certainly a surprise um, in, in that regard. So I had to ask that, being the, the lone Pac-12 mm-hmm. team on the schedule. But last year. To, just to kind of go back a little bit, um, and, and Badger fans, if you're not familiar with what happened last year, maybe you live under a rock. But overall, despite <laughs> the issues at the beginning of the season with, of mm-hmm. course, everything that went on in terms of COVID and he- former head coach Nick Rolovich, Jake Dickert lands the interim head coaching job. I, from the outsider's mm-hmm. perspective, seem to have success there. And a, a guy who is formerly a Badger fan, formerly from Wisconsin, certainly one that's easy to root for in this state. But since all that yeah. kind of went down, how have you felt about the status of the program and what are sort of the expectations 
with Washington State now going into this season mm-hmm. after, you know, a uh, uh, winning season last year um, and, and a bowl win? Uh, well, I mean, first on Dickert, I think he got like three or 400 requests for tickets. So like the largest contingent of Wazoo <laughs> fans are just going to be all related to Jake Dickert uh, at this football game. Uh, I, you know, I think, you know, kind of touching on Dickert a little bit, it seemed like, you know, Pat Chun, the athletic director, didn't really want to get on the merry-go-round of coaching hires last year. Um, you saw, I mean, for God's sake, you saw Brian Kelly go from Notre Dame to LSU. Um, and and that, to me, just kind of speaks to how silly things were getting. And if you're Washington State and you kind of have this semi-known commodity in Jake Dickert, you probably just want to hold on to him for a while, if for no other reason than continuity within the program and continuity with some of your current players. Um, I think, and I, I say this all the time, I think a reasonable expectation for Washington State on a yearly basis is that you get to a bowl game. And I think that's fine to say for a school like Wazoo that, you know, is not like Wisconsin that can win some recruiting battles with the big boys. They kind of need to live on, not on the edge, but they kind of need to, li- you know, they need to live with these high variance um, recruits and they need to have a system that looks for players who are undervalued by everybody else, but might be really valued in your offense. So you have Eric Morris, who's the new offensive coordinator um, who runs a version of his, um, of Mike Leach's air raid. And so it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this coaching staff recruits, but Jake Dicker did a really smart thing instead of being, you know, he could have been stubborn and said, I'm the smartest guy in the room and I know exactly who to hire. He brought in Eric Morris from incarnate word. He brought in Brian Ward from Nevada to be the defensive coordinator. He brought in coaches from other FBS schools. He didn't say, I'm going to be the smartest guy here. He literally went, I have never done this before. I need to surround myself with as much talent as possible. And he seems to have done that so far. So I think at least the evaluation on Jake Dickert from that standpoint is good. I think the other thing that's kind of, I don't know if I want to use the word refreshing, but I can't think of a better one right now that's refreshing about him is that he's really boring. He's just a really boring guy. And after having Mike Leach for almost a decade and then Nick Rolovich, even outside, you know, forget the COVID stuff with Nick Rolovich. I mean, the guy was, you know, he brought, I he brought like a Britney Spears impersonator to Mountain West media days. Um, you know, going from that to a guy who just kind of gives canned answers to everything is really nice. It's really, really nice to have a boring football coach. who's just not gonna, make any headlines one way or another. Mike Leach was pretty famous for <laughs> saying weird stuff during the week. And then after a game, just going on a tirade, if it didn't go well, uh, Nick Rolovich, obviously there was all that baggage last year. So it's just kind of nice to have a guy who's really nondescript. It's really, really nice, man. I, I can't, I can't describe how nice that is. I mean, I, I think Badger fans will hear that and, and totally hear where you're coming from. Cause Paul, Chris, there's times mm-hmm. where, I list, I sit down or in or to watch the media pressers on Monday and I go, man, he just talked for five minutes and he said absolutely nothing of substance. It was just yeah. a quiet, monotone talk that he appreciates the yeah. opportunity to play football. So I, I totally get where you're coming from on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, Washington State opened with Idaho, FCS team somewhere to Wisconsin, getting an FCS team to start. Maybe a little shaky at first, but seems like Washington State's eventually got the game under control. You talked about it kind of breaking in some new pieces um, on both sides of the ball, new coaches, new quarterback, which we'll get to in a minute. But what were your overall kind of takeaways from that season opener um, uh, against the Idaho Vandals? 
So just to add some context for folks um, who are Wisconsin fans, um, that's the series with Idaho is actually 102 games old at this point. I think uh, it's it's over 100 games, and Wazoo's won almost 80 of them. Wow. Uh, the last time uh, Wash or Idaho's won five games since 1925 in that series. Now they didn't they don't play every year, and they certainly don't play every year um, anymore now that Idaho um, has fallen back to the FCS. Um, but I it definitely got the impression that. I don't know if it wasn't that they weren't ready to play, but they were definitely treating it kind of like an exhibition game, you know, like you might see in the NFL, like you might, you know, like a preseason game, something like that. Um, a lot of very vanilla on the offense. Nothing like really stood out spectacularly to me. The one touchdown to Dijon Stribling um, was pretty cool. But other than that, you know, I, it, it definitely seemed like Idaho came very motivated to play. They have a new head coach who clearly is trying to turn that program around after Paul Petrino was just this listless kind of mannequin leading that ship for almost 10 years. Um, and so it was very clear they came out ready to do whatever they had to do um, to win that game. And Wazoo just didn't. Now, I, I was never uneasy. Having been on the other end of two losses to FCS teams, I kind of know, and you remember the feelings from those games of what it looked like. There was never any point where I kind of went, oh, we're not going to win this game because like at some point the talent was just going to win out over enthusiasm. And it did eventually. Um, but they put the ball on the ground three times. Idaho recovered each one, including a scoop and score. Uh, so there were some discouraging things from that standpoint. But I think overall, you know, having some distance between yourself and that game, uh, you feel better, better ish about it. Not as bad as maybe you did on Saturday night. Um, so overall, I mean, the defense looked as advertised. So the offense just needs Cam Ward didn't look as comfortable as you might like um, because of some of the questions they've had on the offensive line in camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where things land against a much better defense um, in Wisconsin than against Idaho did. Against Idaho did. What a weird way to end that sentence. But anyway, against Idaho. Washington State, well, you know, we talked about, you just mentioned Cam Ward, made an offseason kind of splash, nabbing him from FCS Incarnate Word. Um, where he's a Walter Payton finalist for those of you who don't know, it's kind of the Heisman of the FCS. So very strong mm -hmm. freshman season for him at the FCS level. Kind of pulled the playbook of Western Kentucky last year, nabbing you know Bailey Zappi and the offensive coordinator, plugging it in at a new school and hoping it for to work. And, and Cam Ward certainly a a very strong passer. So what are your expectations for him going into the season? I know it's only really seen him in one game. Um, in that opener, but what are the expectations around him uh, jumping up that level from uh, a very solid FCS season? I mean, I think it, it probably goes without saying the expectations are really high for him. He's we he's got an NIL deal at Wazoo. There aren't a lot of athletes um, with that. Just I mean, budgeting wise, there's just not a lot of alumni who you know are out there to afford an NIL deal. So he's he's got that. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, like to your point, it's really hard to not have expectations like that for a guy who pretty much had a four to one touchdown to interception ratio ratio last year. And you bring his offensive or his head coach with him to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I think he looked a little tentative against Idaho. Um, they Washington State lost Abe Lucas. Uh, he got drafted by the Seahawks um, this spring. Uh, they also lost Liam Ryan at left tackle, who he, he had a very up and down year last year. Um, as well as Brian Green at center. So they lost uh, no less than three of their starting offensive linemen. And it's kind of amazing to me because, you know, Mike Leach over-recruited that position. I mean, at one time, Washington State had something like 21 or 22 offensive linemen on scholarship. 
he over recruited that position for a reason. And it's because as we're seeing now, it's so, it can go so fast from a strength to a real weakness. Um, they were up until that week, they had no idea who was going to start at left guard. And there were questions also about, you know, how that unit was going to do. They have Clay McGuire back to coach them, uh, which is good. But I, I think, you know, I don't want to say like the expectations are too outsized for him without knowing better how that offensive line is going to be. He clearly looked like a guy who didn't trust them very much against Idaho. And he was maybe taking off to run quicker than he needed to at times. Um, but the arm strength is there. The accuracy um, is there. He just needs to get on the same page as his receivers a little bit more. I think the one really encouraging thing, um, and we saw a little bit of this with Jaden Delora, who transferred to Arizona. Um, Ward's got some wheels. And he knows better so far, at least it seems, in a, with a one-game sample size, grant you, um, than Jaden Delora of when to pull it and run. Uh, this offense also has more option than the run and shoot did that Delora was operating um, here. So it, it has more of that. And I'm, I, I want to see more of what Ward can do with his feet um, against Wisconsin. I think he, he might need to um, as well, but I think, you know, so far a little underwhelming, but again, I think to your point, it was one game against a pretty motivated opponent and he's still trying to get on the same page um, as a lot of these receivers. And he's playing behind an offensive line that, uh, is is one of the things I'm looking forward to finding out more about uh, when they're in Madison on Saturday. It'd be fascinating to watch. You know, Wisconsin, as good as their defense have been, has been for years, the one area that really can make them get into some dicey waters is a quarterback that can um, use their feet to get out of trouble and, and be mobile. Adrian Martinez got a lot of flack at Nebraska, but, man, that guy had career games against the Badgers, it seemed like, every year. So that'll be something <laughs> to watch for. Um, in that contest speaking of players to watch for who are some other names on the offensive side of the ball I know Wisconsin fans will probably mm -hmm. recognize the name of of the running back but who else should Wisconsin fans be on the lookout for yeah you guys know about Nakia Watson uh, obviously he had uh, over 100 yards against Idaho he looked pretty good uh, very solid I, I think just kind of what we were expecting from uh, you know you lose Max Borgie who was arguably the best running back to come through the school in at least the last 10 years um, at Wazoo so he's uh I think he's ended up in the CFL now, but I mean, regardless um, on offense, this, you know, the thing about Washington state, and I think this is needs to be part of their identity forever is that you're a pass first offense. Um, you know, Washington state for not having like the grandiose history of a lot of programs in college football. Um, they've had a incredible stable of quarterbacks. You've had Gardner Minshew, you had Luke Falk, you had Alex Brink, you had Drew Bledsoe um, is a name. A lot of Wisconsin fans might know uh, Brian Leaf, Noted for his college career, maybe not his professional career, uh, certainly, but um, they've had some pretty good quarterbacks at Washington State. Mark Rippon as well. So um, Cam Ward, you know, you hope he continues that tradition. So what you're really looking for is a wide receiver. Dejon Stripling, who I mentioned earlier, um, there was some thought he might leave with Jaden Delora. He was a recruit of Nick Rolovich's from uh, played in Hawaii, his high school ball there. Um, but he did stay and that was really big for Washington state. Uh, Renard Bell as well. He's in his sixth year at Washington state. He had a medical red shirt uh, last year and he chose to sit out 2020 um, when given um, that option to do so. So he's actually in his sixth year at Washington state and having him back at inside receiver is just so wonderful because he brings an athleticism to that position um, that I think they were really lacking last year. Lincoln Victor also plays inside receiver. He's a bit smaller, but you know, tends to be one of those smaller receivers who can find some space 
that he needs to to operate and just really solid hands um, as well. And then one guy I, I, I wanted to see more of um, as well. And because he fumbled right off the bat um, is Jalen Jenkins. He's a freshman running back. And when he got out into space before that fumble, he just he looked incredibly quick, uh, very elusive. And they did get him back on the field to score a touchdown later in the game. So I actually kind of thought the coaches, you know, yank him a little bit quickly. But that might be one name to keep an eye on. Um, as well in this game, because I, I doubt Nikia Watson's going to be able to handle the load um, against the Wisconsin defense compared to what he did against Idaho. I mean, I, I don't think there's really any comparing the Idaho defense and the Wisconsin defense. That's that's a fair point, but certainly flipping sides now to the defense side of the ball, I, I think Badger fans probably think Washington State, as you know, we talked about, mentioned Mike Leach, those high-flying, pass-happy offenses, but it seems like, at least from an outsider's perspective, Jake Dickert has put a lot more defensive kind of focus into this program Mm -hmm. last season finished a top 50 defense, a total defense seemed like every week they were forcing turnovers in in very critical spots. One of the top teams in terms of turnover margin. So what is their kind of philosophy on, on that side of the football? Yeah. You touched on it a little bit there, right? Jake Dickert used to be a defensive coordinator. He was this team's defensive coordinator before he took over for Nick Rolovich. So, I mean, he's a defensive minded head coach. And then again, um, you know, part of the identity of the Washington State defense kind of always needs to be that you're going to generate takeaways. Um, these defenses um, under Mike Leach were at their best when they did that, uh, and they were able to get the ball back and give it back to the offense. I think I've always kind of said the defense at Washington State never needs to be spectacular. It just needs to be average. You need to be average to have a really good overall team at Washington State, kind of doing what you talked about, generating takeaways, which is what they did last year, giving the ball back to the offense and ending a drive um, without an opportunity for your opponent to score. Uh, You've got Dan Henley who transferred here from Nevada and one game in, he looks like the real deal and he looks like he's just ready to go to the NFL right now. Um, And it was so important to have him uh, come in because you lose Jihad Woods, who's the team's, he leads all time in number of games play. He's up there in like the top four for tackles all time. You lost Justice Rogers who came on near the end of the year. So you were really looking for guys to step up and replace those two. And Henley, you know, again, one game in, um, it looks like he's the guy to do that. So, um, you know, to your point, this defense will try to generate takeaways. They had two picks um, against uh, Idaho, including Henley's game sealer uh, with about 19 seconds to go. He picked it at the end zone. Um, So that, that is their philosophy. They want to get the ball back to the offense because, Um, I think part of their problem against Idaho was that they were on the field for so long because Washington State's offense, you know, was going three and out or five and out or whatever it was. um, They couldn't stay off the field. And because Idaho was going for it on fourth down a lot, they also had more opportunities to convert. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can. I think that's one of my keys is that, you know, the offense needs to stay on the field more because the defense cannot keep up with Wisconsin for as long in this game as they did with Idaho in the first game. Yeah, overall, it's going to be a, a fascinating, fascinating matchup. I think on both sides of the football for for both of these teams in this contest. So to finish things out, what do you have for a score prediction for Saturday afternoon? Uh, you know, I think last time these teams played in Madison, it was something like three touchdowns. I think was the uh was the ultimate uh difference between the two teams. Seventeen points is the spread now. Um, that seems about right to me, and I think mostly because you know, you, you, you have a Wisconsin team that is just going to grind you to bits. Right. And so the, the, 
defensive line for Washington State has looked good. Um, and that's their strength on this defense is um, up front with Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson. And they just they rotate in so many defensive tackles. I mean, it's hard to keep track of all of them. Um, Armani Marsh, the nickelback also very good at his position. Um, but I think what's going to hold this team back in this game is this offense. And you and I talked about this uh, a little bit, too, where the offense needs to do better to stay on the field longer because this defense cannot be expected to be out there like they were against Idaho for 38 minutes and keep the game close. Um, I, I think if Washington State can generate some turnovers and importantly generate turnovers in plus territory, um, they can keep the game close. They can keep the game within striking distance. But I think ultimately Wisconsin's physicality is just unlike anything they're going to see all year or that they generally see, frankly, in the Pac-12, um, except for maybe when David Shaw has things cooking at Stanford. So I think, you know, something like a 27-14 is probably a fair outcome. I think Washington State has a very good chance to cover that 17-point spread, but a lot needs to go right for them to win this football game, which is you know, that's, I mean, it's the other thing with Washington State seasons where, you know, you win 11 games in 2018. A lot had to go right for you in that year for that to happen. And a lot did go right. So um, we'll see here because there's certainly not a case where the talent, um, you know, like they did against Idaho, the talent would win out over the enthusiasm. Uh, this, the, the script's flipped a little bit on that now. The enthusiasm needs to win out over Wisconsin's talent. And it'll be a big test for what these coaches can do in one week with looking at that film against Idaho um, to get them to turn around and go to Madison and try to keep things close or even win a game um, against a pretty good opponent. Be a fascinating contest. I'm literally looking forward to, to seeing it and seeing what these two teams can do. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, Tyler, anytime. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. <laughs>